Hey, this is Rob. This is Eric. And you're listening to the Start Good Things podcast. This is season two. And you might be wondering, who are you? Well, that's a great question. With a simple answer. Yeah. In fact, we're believers. Yeah. Like in Jesus, uh, we believe he's, he's everything and he's worth following with everything. And we believe in other things too. We believe in a better future. And we believe in and we're for humanity. And though we're ordinary, we believe obviously that there are things that are far more extraordinary. In fact, we believe that ordinary people working together can accomplish extraordinary things. So we started this podcast to both inspire and hopefully equip you to start good things of your own. Uh, Let's get on with today's episode. Today we're looking at some of my favorite material we use in our community to help people start good things. Now these next four episodes deal with something we call advance, where you will be encouraged to make a choice, take a chance, and create a change. Did you hear me say, I think it's there? Did you hear that? <laughs> How are you doing this morning? Good, it's good to see you. The few, we, the few, the proud, these uh, spring forward survivors, right? It's incredible. So I, I, I want to start with a question this morning. I want to ask you, have you ever gotten a real backstage pass? You know what I mean? Like access to the VIP tent? All, you know, all area access. You know, maybe it's access. Maybe it's even, you just got to sit in, you got to sit in first class. It's just the exclusive treatment, right? Just all area access. Well, a little over three years ago, I was actually invited to uh, join a production of a film uh, on set to be there while they were filming several scenes of a film called Same Kind of Different as Me. If you've seen it, it's a great film. If you haven't seen it, you totally should see it. Uh, I asked, at some point I asked, to what was this honor bestowed upon me that I was invited to be here and hang out for a couple days on set and talk to the actors and the production people. Why did I get this honor? And I was told that I was deemed a person of influence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it either. I don't know. (laughs) I I have no idea. But it was really great. I got all area access. I got the whole catering deal. I got to be on set for a couple days. I got to hang out, sit with people. And then like we filmed the scene right there. I've got to see the movie. Like I was sitting right there. It was Pretty cool. I got to meet Greg Kinnear and Renee Zellweger. In fact, I have proof of that. I brought a couple photos, in case you didn't believe me. There you go. There's Greg. We're good buddies now, you should know. And there's Renee, yeah. And I, and I want you to know, and I think you should know, that Renee and I really hit it off. We did. You, you might even say I had her at hello. Yeah. You really shouldn't laugh at things like that. It only encourages me. Don't do that. That's not good. No, but seriously, we did. I, I met her, and she took to calling me Texas. <laughs> she called me Texas for like half a day when she found out where I, where I lived and her being from Katy, Texas, originally. But don't, don't worry, fellow Austinites. I corrected her every single time. I said, I do not live in Texas, Renee. I live in Austin. <laughs> All right? All right. So from there on out, she just said, hook them. There you go. So... I don't know if you're aware, you know, I don't really know. To this day, I don't really know why I was afforded that opportunity. But I do know a lot of people pay for that kind of thing, and they pay big. You know, a lot of people pay a lot of money to kind of get behind-the-scenes access, to get close to things that they deem great or popular or whatever. Uh, In fact, if you go to Disney, for example, a regular pass is going to run you, for per park, is going to run you an average of $109. But if you want a glimpse behind the scenes, where you're not going to meet Walt, by the way, that's not going to happen. I don't even know if you'll meet Mickey. I think you just kind of get behind the scenes of a, it's a small world, which is a little overrated. But anyway, 
that's going to run you behind the scenes $275 per person per park. It's quite a markup. At Universal Studios, a regular pass is going to run you per park $115 on average. If you want to get behind the scenes, see anything going on behind the curtain there, it's going to run you $189 per person per park. A Taylor Swift concert, if you want to just get in the seats, the average per seat cost is $162. If you want to get backstage, which apparently you can pay to go backstage, it's going to run you two grand and a lot of trouble, trouble, trouble. <laughs> I told you, don't encourage me, I warned you. So just so you know, at, uh, at South by Southwest, a music wristband for South by is gonna run you $179, but if you want all area access, if you wanna get anywhere, it's gonna set you back about $1,375. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because we often wanna get backstage. We also wanna, we, we wanna get close to people that either we deem great or have been deemed great in our culture. It could, you know, it could be someone famous, could be a rock star, an actor, an athlete, an A-list celebrity, you name it. It's almost as if we think that just somehow being in proximity with someone or something that we deem great or our culture is deemed great, somehow just being in proximity of that will somehow maybe rub off on us. Maybe we'll, maybe being close to them will make us feel great, potentially even make us great. But that, that really isn't true, Right? And the path to greatness may not be what we think. I want to tell you that I live by a set of life principles that I've been crafting over the last 20 years. I've developed them because they've been developed in me. The best of them have come in my days of following Jesus over the past two decades. I'm currently outlining them for a book I hope to start writing this year. So now I've just said that in a big room, you can now hold me accountable to that. <laughs> by the way, if you ask me later in the year, hey, Rob, how's the book coming? And I say, none of your business, it's not going well. Okay, <laughs> this is a little tip. So... <laughs> But if, if, if anyone who knows me well here knows, there's a certain awkwardness that comes with being around me, and I have to confess it to you. It's the awkwardness of me saying things like, well, that's why I always say, based on these principles I've been crafting, based on my, uh, my following Jesus over the last 20 years, which is kind of awkward, right? It's kind of like saying to somebody, allow myself to quote myself, right? <laughs> that's a little weird. But just so you know, I'm about to do it to you right now. Okay, so allow myself to quote myself. One of the things I've... I've, I've crafted and I live by this principle in my life, it's totally based on the teachings of Jesus, is this simple statement. Most people don't do great things because most great things don't feel great when you're doing them. Most people, yeah, it is good, right? I, that's why I quoted myself. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. But seriously, mo most people don't do great things because most great things don't feel great when you're doing them. The slog of reaching greatness. And we live in a culture that just wants quick access to everything. Seriously, most people I know want to be great. Or they want to be associated with something great. They just don't want to do what it takes to be great. Or to be associated with something great. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We, as Justin said, we started a series just a two-week in honor of South by Southwest. And if you don't know, on internet or in Branson, wherever you're watching, uh, scores of people are all over our great city of Austin right now, just at a little festival called South by Southwest, trying to get all access to their favorite artists, from music to film to technology, and on and on and on. And today what I want to do is I want to give you a bit of a backstage pass. I want to give you a glimpse behind the curtain, as it were. I want to talk to you about creativity as it pertains to Gateway, but not creativity in its usual dress-up, right? Not where I would say something like, listen, we're all creatives. We're all created in the image of the creator. So whether we create spreadsheets or paintings, we're all creative. And that would be true. That would be very much true and potentially very meaningful. It's just not what I want to talk about today. 
Today, I want to give you a backstage look at creativity, but more so in how it is a gateway that we actually create disciples, learners, those disciplined in the ways of Jesus as his followers, to look at greatness as he defined it and he continues to define it. And this is what Jesus had to say about greatness, just so you know. He said this, he said, the greatest among you will be your servant. Jesus didn't really talk like that, only in the movies, seriously. That's, I don't know why they, I don't know. I'm just going to use my regular voice, okay? The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about some of the things that, that we utilize here at Gateway, sort of behind the scenes. Some of the tools that we use in the development of other people, be them staff, potential staff, leaders, things that keep Jesus' focus of greatness at the very core. I want to give you a glimpse of some of the things we talk about in small rooms around here that make it possible to do what we do in large rooms like this. So one of the many things that I'm privileged to do here at Gateway is I'm tasked with overseeing what's called the Leadership Development Program, the LDP, as we call it. Yeah, what's the LDP, you ask? I'm glad you did, even though you didn't. It is a 10-month crucible of sorts, you would say. It's designed and exists to equip uh, and develop men and women and discover and potentially pursue uh, their full-time calls to ministry. We use mentoring, instruction, experience, and modeling. You should know it's way more than an internship program, and it allows us to raise up future generations of church leaders, potential staff, potential campus pastors, you name it, et cetera, et cetera, on and on, for Gateway and the church beyond. It's amazing. One of the primary developmental tools that we utilize in the program that I really focus on is something that I came across a little over a decade ago. And it's not only a foundational tool for what I use with LDPs, as we call them, it's a primary tool that I've used to develop many people over the last 10 to 12 years since I've come across it. It is something called the character matrix. Uh, I've experienced it as the ultimate diagnostic instrument panel, an easy access point to figure out where is it that we are right now. Uh, it could be on our faith journey or our spiritual awakening. Where are we? What are we struggling with? What do we need to do next? It was created by a thought leader and pastor named Erwin McManus. I'm going to give you a real quick overview of it today. But if you want to take a deep dive with it, you might start by buying his book, Uprising, where you can get a lot of detail, which is that as the original content. Now listen, in the 200 rooms or so that I've introduced the character matrix in, from churches to corporate seminars, I've been privileged to do both, it's the custom to begin with a simple question. The question is simply this. What is the number one reason, what are the primary reasons, in your opinion, that a person gets fired from a job or fails a class? What we do then is we long list responses, and without fail, Without fail, in every single case, the research always suggests that the overwhelming reasons that people get fired from their job or fail a class have to do directly with character issues, not competency issues. I think if you thought about it right now, you'd probably agree. Now, when I say the overwhelming evidence, I'm talking about like 90% of the time, it's true. I mean, on a rare occasion, someone will say something like, Maybe the person didn't understand the material or simply could not execute, did not have the gifts to execute that role. And that would be true. But far more stated are things like tardiness, no call, no show, violating dress code, stealing, embezzlement, failure to prepare, or not doing work assignments, missing deadlines, insubordination, bad attitude, arguing with the boss or teacher, gossiping, slander, or sexual misconduct, and on and on and on. Issues that are directly related to that of character. So the Greek word erite means virtue or moral excellence. 
character. It is the very word that Peter, one of Jesus' disciples turned apostle, uses, and what he says is the very first thing, the very first ingredient, if you will, that we have to add to basic faith in Jesus if we truly want to know about the greatness that Jesus talked about. This text is found in the book of 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. Peter is talking to a group of people who've, been, who've endured great hardship, and he says this, in view of all this, all this hardship, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And he says this, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, erite, character, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. You should know, I should tell you, that Peter uses a literary device here that suggests that the list of qualities that he presents are in no way random. Each quality actually builds upon the qualities before it and then helps develop the ones that come after it. The sequence of quality begins with faith and it ends with love for everyone. You could say these qualities are sort of like the ingredients to a cake, where all are necessary, but the order they go in is very important to maximize the flavor and the experience. And the very first ingredient to faith in Christ is a generous provision of moral excellence, a big dose or a heaping helping of character. And as we learn from Pulp Fiction, just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. No one. Okay, no Quentin Tarantino fans. Note to self, drop that in second service. Okay, (laughs) good. (laughs) So hence, the character matrix is a foundational tool for developing people towards true greatness as Jesus defined it. So with that in mind, I want to give you a very cursory, I just want to whet your appetite. I want to give you a, a very quick overview of the character matrix, and I'm going to be using the largest marker I've ever seen in my life, by the way, just so you know. I think you have to go to school for this sort of thing. So here's the character matrix. It's on your lanyards that you were given on your way in, but I want to go through it in a little bit of detail. Uh, First, we start in the matrix. We start from a position of of just our human condition, which is an an orientation towards self, a selfishness, an inherent selfishness that we've talked about before. You come in with as a toddler, just know in mind, right? It's all about self. Now, kind of the three tenets of of selfish existence are that of pride, foolishness, and greed. I don't think I, I never get pushback about this no matter what room I'm in. The interesting thing you should know about pride is pride takes two wicked, wicked forms in our lives. They're both really rooted in insecurity because of a brokenness that we've experienced called sin that we know something's missing. But they take two wicked forms. The one is obvious, and everyone always gets it right away. It's haughtiness, it's arrogance, it's ego. It's the person that elevates themselves in their standing because they're actually very insecure. But the other is worthlessness. To take on the form like, I'm just worthless, I'm good for nothing, neither of which are true. Psalm 139 says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You have an incredible value, so much value that God sent Jesus as a proof. But as we know, as Jesus said, it's the person who chooses humility that's better off, the person that chooses to take that stance. Pride, that kind of pride, that kind of constant focus on ourselves, whether it be too much ego or just, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I can't, I'll never be able to do it, causes us to make foolish choices. Foolish choices are when we do something that we know is not to our benefit and we keep doing it again and again and again. I I think everyone in this room would admit, if you were being intellectually honest, that you've done things in your life that even confound you. Things that you swore you would never do. Things you might say, I I would not do that. As you you hypothesize, if that ever happened to me, this is what I'd do. And then you find out, nope. (laughs) That is not what you would do. 
Apparently you do what you swore you'd never do, right? We've all had that condition. And of course the last and the final tenet of kind of a selfish existence is that of greed. Greed is, is extremely wicked in our lives, and we're terrible examples in the West, by the way, to the rest of the world about this, if I may just say. Because greed, greed has an insatiable appetite. You know that, right? An appetite that can never be filled. It always demands more. No matter what greed gets, greed wants more. It's never satisfied. It just demands more and more. When it gets it, it just needs more pleasure. What we're all trying to get to, what I think we all would say is a, is a true greatness, and this is certainly the greatness that Jesus talks about, is we're trying to get to a place of selflessness, where we could be servant leaders. Someone who literally would choose, I, I, could, I could evacuate self for the good of other people, for the good of the whole. And that's, that's where we get to courage. We, we want to be people that go on a journey from pride to courage. Courage being defined as not the absence of fear, but the absence of self. Think about it. If you've ever named any courageous act in your life, uh, if you think of any story from literature, film, anything, those that you define as truly courageous are the ones that just, just evacuated self for the good of other people, sometimes even to the point of death. And it inspires us. It moves us deeply. That's courage. We want to take a journey from foolishness to wisdom. And no one does that overnight. You know that, right? No one goes from making foolish choices to suddenly be a, a wise sage that everyone goes, please tell me what I should do now. You should know about wisdom that you've got to go through some, some pretty difficult things and some pretty profound experiences in order to gain it. So I'd say pray for wisdom, but then get ready. Because you're probably going to have to go through something significant in order to have true wisdom. Because you've never gone to anybody. And tell me if this isn't true. You've never sought anybody out for advice, for sage-like counsel, wisdom, that never went through anything significant, Right? You don't go to people and say, you've never really been through any hardship. Tell me, how do I endure this one? You don't do that. The only time you do go to people who don't have wisdom is when you're seeking agreement to do something you know is foolish, right? That's when you don't want people with that kind of experience, right? The journey from greed to generosity is a very, very arduous journey indeed. To become people that can literally spill over. The, the scriptures say something very interesting. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to be very honest with you. I wish that the word cheerful had not been put in there. Because <laughs> right? giving is one thing, but to be glad about it is like a totally different level. That means you've got to go through something significant to get there too, right? And here's the point I want you to get to, that I want you to recognize, is that no one goes from this kind of selfish position in their life to completely selfless servant like that. It's not how it works. It's literally journeys, these life-changing journeys that take you in this, uh, in this, from the space of pride to courage, foolishness to wisdom, greed to generosity. And so I want to fill some of it in for you. We'll start with, with route one. Pride must first make its way into something called humility. Now here's my counsel to you. My counsel to you would be this, or to anyone I met. Choose humility before it chooses you. Because it will eventually. Life has a way of humbling you. And when it does, it's something called what? Humiliation. You choosing humility and humiliation are both very effective things in your life. One just hurts a whole lot more than the other. And Jesus said it's the person who chooses humility. The person who says, I, I, the greatest is actually the servant of all. The greatest is the one who says, I can sacrifice for all. And chooses to humble themselves rather than be exalted. Who will actually truly be exalted. Who will truly be seen as great. Humility. Humility is a, is, a, is a necessary ingredient. To, it's the first step. You, can't, you cannot get further without that first ingredient. From humility, you pass into something that's called integrity. 
Integrity is, is really something, isn't it? We talk about it a lot. We have different definitions. It's you know, doing the right thing when no one's looking, doing different things. It's really, integrity just means, it's based on the word integer. It just means being complete. With in, inside and outside fully, outside fully matched. For example, an orange. An orange has integrity, you know why? Because it's really a peel that you peel open and what's inside every time? What's inside every time? An orange. A banana, you could say, has integrity. Because it's really a peel. And every time you peel it open, what's inside? A banana. What's, what's represented on the outside is what's on the inside. I wish I could say that for all human beings. Am I right? To get to a place, and it's only through humility. It's only through, man, I can humbly say that I don't have to have it always go my way. I, 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 can, serve, I can serve humanity. I can choose to humble myself. And in that place, I can say, I can do the right thing. And I can do the right thing regardless of what it's for. I do the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. That kind of integrity, when people really journey through that, and I know I'm going quickly through this, but you need to know this. When people journey through that type of integrity, when, they, when their inside and their outside match, they get a boldness that is indescribable. Proverbs 27.1 is my favorite of all. It says, the wicked man flees though no one pursues. The guilty man, the guilty man flees though no one pursues. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Have you ever experienced this? Have you ever like said, like in an office setting or something, like, hey, a lot of the pens are missing at the office. What's going on? And somebody has this kind of reaction. What are you saying? What do you mean? I didn't take any pens. Were you saying I'm a thief? Is that what you're trying to say? Hey, man, I don't know if you took any pens, but you're guilty of something, <laughs> right? Something's off, and you're afraid someone's going to find out, right? Because that's what we act like. Without that integrity. But integrity leads us to true courage to actually say, I, I can just evacuate self for the good of others. It's incredible. This foolishness to wisdom, it doesn't happen again. Like that, foolishness must first, first make its way through something called faithfulness. Jesus says, says it as well as you could ever say it, which is this. He who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. The person that can be trusted with very little can be trusted with very much. The person who shows steward, great stewardship and great, great ability to care for the resources of little can have very much given to them. Incredible. This type of faithfulness, you should know, will always be tested. I hope you hear me say it. It will always be tested. As you enter into a phase where you say, like, I want to be faithful. With this I want to get the small things right so I can get to the big things. Maybe that, that aha moment has occurred for you. That's always going to get tested. And that must go through a journey of Perseverance. The scriptures say it well, that perseverance must do its work in you if you want to achieve full maturity. You must endure something. It's only when you start to begin to sense and recognize the benefits of faithfulness that you can endure any hardship because you can endure it in two ways. You can say, I'm going to hold on to the good that I know comes from my faithfulness. Even though I don't see a way out right now, I'm going to hold on to the good I've experienced in being faithful. And I'm going to hold out for the good that's coming when this trial is over. You get that? I'm going to hold this ingredients, laying on the right ingredients first, faithfulness. I'm going to hold on to the good of experience in being faithful until this trial is over. And I'm going to hold out for the good that's coming when I finally endure it, landing in a place of wisdom, having that experience. The final is the journey from greed to generosity. Greed, of course, first having to go through gratitude. I will tell you, this is the linchpin for me for the entire character matrix when I work people through it. 
It's the, it's the switch. It's the most important switch you can make. It's literally a change of perspective. It's literally when you say, I no longer see myself from a position of entitlement and that I deserve, and I'm going to simply choose to see life the way it's designed for me to see in the scriptures, which is this, everything in this life is a gift. I get to live today. I get to do this. And when you change that one lens, it, it, it's, it's, it's incredible what will happen in your life that you begin to experience a new way of serving others. Not demanding more, but saying, no, I'm gonna be grateful for the things I do have. It's interesting how most people, our focus goes into things we don't have instead of the things we already have that we should enjoy more. I challenge you to do that. By the way, gratitude, this is how you know someone has reached a position of gratitude, because gratitude has, is, the, is the hardest to fake. Sure, you could say the right words. I could say, thank you very much. I really appreciate you doing that. Those would be words that would be you know, linked up to gratitude, but it's really hard to fake. And you know the number one tell of gratitude is you can't have a grateful heart and complain. You just can't. The two can't coexist. Now, you can critique, and you can want to make better. That's a different thing. A grateful person could say, I'm so glad to be a part of this, and I want it to be the best it can be, so can we work together to make it even better than it is now? Like, that is totally possible. But you can't be a negative, no, you can't be the negative person that's always like, man, why did this do? Why did they do that? You've never heard anyone say this. You've never said it, and you've never heard this said of anyone. Man, that person sure has a grateful heart, but they really do complain a lot. You've never heard it. They can't coexist. From gratitude as an ingredient, you can make your way into true wholeness. Suddenly having taken that ingredient and, and, and put into it like, hey, I don't, I, don't deserve, I don't deserve to have everyone worship me or do things for me. I, I don't deserve that. I get to do this. Even the hardships that we've been through, we can start to view from a different lens, from a different perspective. I, this is very difficult, and that shouldn't have happened to me, and that isn't right, but I get an opportunity to grow from this. It's a game changer. And to become whole and to learn that I can forgive. And you know, when you forgive, you're not releasing the other person from any kind of prison. You're releasing yourself from the prison of your own bitterness. When you have that ingredient intact, of course you can be generous. Generosity gets much simpler because you feel whole. You don't feel as though I need something to stuff into some kind of, you know, hole that I feel in my life. I feel a sense of wholeness. And of course I can be generous, almost as if something's being poured out of me as an overflow. Now again, this is a very quick overview, and I've gone very quickly, but I thought it might be good for you if you heard from someone who's taken a deeper dive at this tool, this diagnostic tool over the last several months. He's one of our current LDPs. Many of you know him as a poet. He's a great guy. Will you welcome to the stage with me, James Wilson. Welcome, James. Hello, Rob. How are you, man? Doing pretty well, sir. All right, say hello to the good people of Gateway. Hello, people. All right. So just one, one simple question for you, James, really, just really quick. Uh, so you're part of the Leadership Development Program. Mm -hmm. We use this tool extensively. We've spent hours and hours in this. Fair? You say that. Yeah. So uh, tell me, what benefits have you seen in your, not only the program, but in your interaction with this tool? Mm. So coming into the program, we are strongly encouraged to serve one another. And we all start somewhere in this pride, foolishness, and greed. And me and my LDP counterparts, we all come together and we serve each other through the outcomes and through just doing life together and living connected to find out how we move from humility, faithfulness, and gratitude along the character matrix. 
um, throughout this process for me coming into it, it was interesting because people who I had just met were pointing out things that people who had been in my life for years were pointing out, which is things like um, I was stubborn. And my response was, no, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm Bob. So that was my pride showing its ugly um, face. I also struggled with a lot of pride in that thinking that everybody else was better than me, which was a problem coming into a program like this. So, you know, going into the retreat, we heard things about how tough it would be, and tough is an understatement. I mean, we had heard things about people in previous years wanting to quit, it being overwhelming, and I was like, nah, it's, it's a program. Like, how, how tough can it be? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And I have a confession. This year, it was me who reached my breaking point, and I threatened to quit. But I'm grateful that my, counterpoint, my counterparts, who I was living life with, um, they rallied around me. They wouldn't let me quit. And I'm so thankful for them because this has been the most metamorphic, transformative season of my entire life. And I'm grateful that I've been introduced to the character matrix, but I can use it as a diagnostic dashboard for my life every day. Waking up and saying, where am I today? Am I struggling with humility, faithfulness, gratitude? How do I move over, down the matrix over to courage, wisdom, and generosity? And being able to point that out, I'm able to invite the Holy Spirit in and say, help lead me and guide me along this character matrix so I can take the steps to make sure that um, I am whole and feeling generous and wise and being courageous in this whole process. Give it up for James. Thank you, man. You're the man. Thank you, man. So here's one more thing I just want to point out to you real quick is that regardless of where you're at here at Gateway, regardless of how you came to the room spiritually or whatever, we, we have a resource and we've always had a resource for you to help develop you towards or maybe even to Jesus to find the true greatness that he speaks of. So he, here's what I kind of want to point out. We say this a lot. We have these values. It's sort of, sort of a value path that we really take a look at. We have this value called come as you are. Now, this is not to suggest that if you're attending today <laughs> and you are not involved in the other way, that you are then inherently prideful, foolishness, and greedy. You're foolish and greedy. But it is to say that even if that does describe you, you're welcome here. You follow me? Even if you made the most foolish decision of your life last night, we're still very glad you're here today. You with me? Yeah. yeah. Because this, this is why we say no perfect people allowed. We are truly come as you are. And we expect that people, we will interact with people coming in with a very, uh, with a need, with something that's focused in, in the place of self. But what we encourage you to do often and very quickly is to say, when and if you're ready, we want you to take that next step. We believe that the best next step for you to take is to gain a responsibility in relationships through serving others with others. We call this live connected. And if you have not yet taken starting gate, as Justin talked about earlier, I would encourage you today, do not wait another day. Go to starting gate if you're ready. Find out, get a, get, a, get a deeper look at what goes on behind the scenes here. Find out how you can get plugged in and serving others with others. Because it's here that you're going to learn to truly humble yourself in service to others. You're, you're going to learn to be faithful. You're going to say, you can count on me. You can rely on me. I'll show up when I say I'll show up. You can count on me. You can give me that responsibility, and I'll take and get it done. You can have that, it can have that effect in your life. You can also experience gratitude, not just be someone who says, hey, I just want to get from this. I want to give back. I want to give something back, even the smallest thing, the smallest service. And you'll experience other people's gratitude around you in you doing that. Incredible. But maybe you're here today and you've been serving for a season. I don't know, maybe a couple weeks, maybe months, maybe years. 
And maybe you haven't gone any further than that. And I would encourage you today to talk to your serve team leader today about possibly going further, going that next step into what we call the be transformed phase. And maybe, maybe you've never joined a life group. And we'd say, get yourself into a life group where you can find a deeper sense of community and a community that will now rally around you and help you work through spiritual outcomes. And in these outcomes, you're going to learn much more about what it means to have the inside match the outside. You're going to have a cheering squad for you when you go through the difficult times to help you persevere, as, as even James said. Just having a community around you that says, no, we support you. We don't want to see you go back. We want to see you keep pushing forward. And in that, you can experience a wholeness as you see other people who are modeling wholeness and forgiveness in ways that you haven't experienced before. But maybe you're also, you're here and you've been a part of a life group for a long time and you've never become a part of our commission core. Well, we'd invite you to come become a part of our commission core and enter the change your world phase. Talk to your life group leader today or as soon as you can, is what I would say if you're in a life group. What, what, does, it, what does it mean to be commissioned? What does it mean to become a part of the core of this church and, and, and that really reflects true courage that says, it's not that I'm... <laughs> I lack fear to get up and, and help people and get involved and invest in people's life. I just want, it's not that I don't have fear, it's just that I have lack of self. I want to do something better for everyone. You can dispense wisdom as you've gone through some ordeals yourself, as you've gone through a season of perseverance. You can become richly generous with time and treasure. I hope you'll do just that, regardless of what your next step is. And no matter what, uh, we have something for you. So even if you, by chance, you're considering a life of full-time ministry, I would say consider joining our LDP program. Applications are being accepted online right now for our coming 2018-2019 class starting in August. If you have any questions about that, I'd be happy to answer them. James, I'm sure, would be happy to answer any of our other LDPs that have been through the last three years. We can refer you to them for any questions or concerns you might have. Now listen, depending on where you're at, this may all seem a little daunting. I get it. You may, be a lot, you may be here today and you may be like, oh my gosh, I did not want to look behind the curtain. That all sounds very, very difficult. I get it. But don't worry, because the path to true greatness as Jesus described it, you don't have to go it alone. It was never intended to be that way. First off, Jesus promises to actually be with you always through his spirit. And he also gave you a community to support you called the church. And here at Gateway, we'd love nothing more than to do just that. Now, if you don't know Jesus or you've never asked him to lead your life, you should know that he's the ultimate giver of the backstage pass. He's the ultimate giver of all area access. For he is the one who, who made all area access to God possible. He, he, can, he, he not only can take you behind the curtain, but he is the one who tore the curtain that existed between humanity and God. And here, here's what I mean by that. You should know that up to and during the lifetime of Jesus, the holy temple of Jerusalem was literally the center of Jewish, Jewish religious life. The temple was the place where animal sacrifices, animal sacrifices were given and carried out and worshiped according to the law of Moses. And it was followed faithfully. And what I'm about to tell you about is found in Hebrews 9, if you want to check it out later. If you want to just go to the description and say, I, I want to know more about that. But it tells us there in Hebrews 9 that in the temple there was a veil, a curtain that literally separated the, what's called the Holy of Holies. In this place called the Holy of Holies was literally the dwelling place of God. It's where God's spirit was on the earth. 
and it was separated from the rest of the temple where people had access by a large curtain. And it signified the separation that mankind has with God because of sin. Only one person was ever allowed to go behind this curtain. It was the high priest of Israel. And even that person was only allowed to go behind this curtain one time a year, where he would enter into God's presence on behalf of all of Israel and make an atonement or a sacrifice for their sins. But listen to what it says upon Jesus' death. This is what we are told. From, and then Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rock split. From then on, access to God was not just for the high priest, the elite, the privileged, wasn't just for them at all. It was for, it was for anyone. Any single one of us who approaches God in the name of Jesus, backstage pass, all area access granted. So listen, if you've never come to Jesus, if you've never had that experience, I would invite you to even today, I would not put it off as something you think that you need in your life, and you do. <laughs> I would invite you to come and speak to a member of our prayer team right after this. They'd love to usher you into his presence, I assure you. But can I pray for us? Can I pray for all of you, no matter where you are in your path right now, that you would be bold enough to take a, a step forward? And God, we do just pray that right now. I, I want to just come to you with a heart of gratitude, thankful for this opportunity today to be, in, to be with the great people of Gateway North and the people watching online in Branson. And I pray that regardless of where we are, God, we would have the courage to step forward, to step closer to you. God, knowing that you will walk through us, through, with us through anything, any hardship, anything that needs to be on earth, that you will be there with us. That you've provided people here to walk with us. That we would not fall into the lie that we're alone and that we have to suffer alone in this life, that nothing's further from the truth. But God, may we lean into you God, I pray you do something special starting this week and next week as we continue to take a look behind the curtain here at Gateway. I, I pray that this is sort of a landmark season for the few and the proud that are here today. I pray that something life-changing happens not only in the lives of the people here, but in the life of our church. And we see you do things on a level we've never experienced before. And we pray it all in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, Rob. Hey, before you take off here today, here's just a, a thought for you as you're looking for perhaps a next step. Think conversation. Uh, for some of you, as you've been here in the character matrix today, you realize maybe the only thing holding you back from forward progression is a real conversation with God about letting loose of some things that have gone in the past. And maybe our prayer team, like Rob said, would be a great place to start. For the rest of you, if you want to take a look at the opposite side of your backstage pass, it says, what is your next step? And most of them are a simple conversation. It could be a conversation over here at Starting Gate that's getting rolling right after the service. It could be talking uh, with somebody that you serve with, uh, maybe your team leader, about what a life group could look like. 
or maybe for those of you who are a part of a life group, it could be a conversation about what a commissioning step would look like. Whatever it is, I have a feeling it starts with a conversation. And I would encourage you not to delay, not to put it off. In fact, we're gonna give you space right now. We're not gonna be doing a song afterwards or anything for you to take that step towards Starting Gate. Uh, the prayer team, wherever you need to take a step towards today, we encourage you to do that and get it rolling before you leave today. I hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week as we continue Backstage Pass. Bye. Well, you've been listening to season two of the Start Good Things podcast, where both Eric and I are excited to share with you some of the resources and people we've come across on our journeys over the past 20 years. Thanks for listening. And until next time, go start something good.